don't know about you, but I'm hopeful as we're moving into a new year. Uh, new years have a way of keeping our eyes towards the new things that God might be doing. I believe he's going to do new things in us, Hillcrest, as we go into 2022, that he's on the move, that with all the challenges we see around us, the ones we were just praying for, other challenges that are in your life that I might not even be aware of, this is still a season of hope, a belief that our God does new things. So I want to encourage you to not be discouraged, not be afraid, but to trust and believe that God is faithful. And as, as we are faithful in the small things, he will allow us to see some big things happening in our lives and in our community. That's kind of one of the ways that God operates. He takes these small things and he expands them into big things. I hope you had a great Christmas. I don't know what kind of things you got for Christmas. I bet if I said, turn to your neighbor and share a Christmas gift, you guys would have one to talk about. Uh, one of the gifts that I received this Christmas from Angela was a bread maker which um, I won't be using, but she uses. And so um, I might try to figure out how to use it, but she's really the bread maker in our family, but she just knows how much I enjoy it when I come home and there's you know, bread baking in the oven, that smell of fresh baked, break, uh, baked bread. So she's picked this up and she was so excited about it. She couldn't wait till Christmas to give it to me. So two weeks early, we were baking bread in this new bread maker. And uh, she adds all sorts of things to the bread to make it interesting. She'll add rosemary and cinnamon and sage uh, even cardamom, which I hadn't heard of. I only knew the sweater. Uh, I hadn't heard of car cardamom before. Um, oh, cardigan, right, cardigan. Uh, but anyway, it's a spice, a really unique thing that add, you add it to bread. Who doesn't love the, the smell of fresh baking bread? Um, I'm excited to use this new thing as we move into the new year. And, and since we have a, a bread maker, what we're going to see, I'm going to see in our fridge more often now are those little packets of yeast, and, you know, those little yellow and red packets that you see that you add into the dough to help it expand. Yeast is one of these small things that you put into the dough, and it actually helps it become that loaf of bread. It really makes a difference. Without yeast, what would you have? Crackers, right? Crackers, something. You'd have something less than a loaf of bread. You'd have flatbread. You'd have crackers. So I'm excited to start to use this, these, these little things that make a big difference. That's how we're starting our year here at church, talking about little things they make a big difference. So last week, Nate Searson talked about seeds that you would plant on the ground that grow into something big. This morning, we're going to talk about yeast, a small little substance that actually makes a big difference in our lives. Yeast shows up throughout the Bible story. Uh, in the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament, we see it used. In the second half, the New Testament, it shows up. Sometimes it's a practical ingredient that you put into the dough. Sometimes it's symbolic or metaphoric in what it's, how it's used about people's connection with God and with with one another. Um, we're going to take some time to look at it this morning. Yeast is actually a living organism. It's a, a fungus. I don't know if you knew that, but it's, it's a fungus. And when you add it to a flour and water mixture, it creates this gas called carbon dioxide. And that's what makes your loaf of bread get big and fluffy and white and, and just delicious. How many of you are going to stop on the way home and get a loaf of bread because of our message this morning? I might, I might have to stop by Panera and do that. Uh, since yeast is living, if you leave it out on the counter for a couple days, it will eventually die. You have to keep it in the fridge. If you put it in the right environment, it will multiply over and over again, continue to grow. So I want to give you a couple examples of yeast in the Bible. First one is found in Deuteronomy 16. Moses is instructing the people how to remember the rescue of God from slavery in Egypt. And uh, they had to leave so quickly that they wanted to symbolize that with unleavened bread whenever they had their remembrance celebration called Passover. And so Moses is describing the Passover for the people in, um, in Deuteronomy 16. And here's what he says. Do not, eat, uh, do not eat with bread made with yeast, but for seven days eat unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. 
because you left Egypt in haste, so that all the days of your life you may remember the time of your departure from Egypt. Let no yeast be found in your possession, in all your land, for seven days. He says, get, get rid of all that leaven, get rid of all that yeast. You see the word unleavened bread here. Leavened or unleavened bread is a more accurate way to talk about yeast in the ancient world. Uh, they didn't have those little packets that we have in our fridge. They would have an active um, dough that would have the yeast in it, the leaven in it working, and they would take a piece of it out and they would set it aside for the next time later that week when they might be baking and they would finish up the work with this. And then a few days later, they would take that dough that still had the leaven in it and they would begin a, a new batch of dough and then pull off a little bit for later. That's how they would keep that dough moving and converting sugars and alive and active uh, so that they would continue to have bread. It makes me think of my younger sister who uh, drinks kombucha. Any of you guys drink kombucha? Aren't there a couple? Yes. It's, it's a little, the, the word itself is a little scary to me. But uh, I was home in Colorado Springs a couple years ago, and my sister said, hey, you want to have some kombucha? And I'm like, I don't know what it is. And she said, well, maybe I can show you. She wanted to show me this, the scoby, it's called. It's like this little ball and floating water that you use to make this tea-like drink, this kombucha. And uh, there, it goes by a different name. And so she said to me, hey, do you want to see the mother? I was like, if my drink has a mother, I'm not interested. You know, I was like, that just really, I mean, maybe milk, I guess. But I was like, that just sounds pretty scary to me. So she pulled out this jar of water, and it was floating this little mass of, of fermenting stuff that was like slimy and, and looked like jelly, creamy white, just floating in this little, bobbing in this jar of water. I could almost see its eyes looking at me, you know, like just staring me down. So I, I just wasn't interested in the kombucha but it's, a, it's similar to the yeast of the first century. You, you, you keep that going, and you continue to make water off of that original piece. And that's what the ancient world would do with their yeast. Yeast uh, infiltrates and, and moves and, and grows and ferments and expands and, and infects the things that it's a part of. When the Bible talks about yeast and leaven, it's talking about something small, something maybe even hidden that, that gets into someone or gets into something and, and changes it and expands it, and, and it grows in them, sometimes in ways they're not even aware of. And it can be used in a positive way or in a, a negative way. And it makes me want to ask the question of myself as we're beginning 2022, what's fermenting in my life? What is growing in my heart and in my mind as we move into this new year? What is growing in you? What is God expanding in your heart and in your mind? What is taking over in your life as we move into this new year? Are good things growing? Or are there things that don't glorify God, things that you would like to see removed from your life that are growing? For the Jewish people in Moses' day, and even for the Jewish people today, yeast was symbolic of their escape from, from Egypt. It was symbolic of the evil of Egypt, the false god worship of the Egyptians that God was bringing them out of. They had all these small fake gods that they worshipped. And God was saying, I want you to worship the one true God. I want you to know me, to worship me. And so yeast was representative of them, of that sin, of following false gods, fake gods. And Moses calls what he wants them to do, he says, it's the bread of affliction. This idea of this unleavened bread, it's the bread of affliction. Remember the hardships you were under, the slavery you were under in Egypt, the sin that was over you in that place that God brought you out of. Bread of affliction. Next time you eat a cracker, it's the bread of affliction. You know, that's, that's the symbol that Moses gives us here. And he says, I want you to clean out your houses for seven days. No leaven in your house. So when they ate flat bread and they remembered how their, their God was faithful to them and how he still is faithful. We move into the New Testament. Jesus uses uh, yeast also to, to symbolically talk about things, character traits often in people's lives. 
that he'd like to see removed or, or changed. Four different times he uses yeast. And I want to give you one example of this in, in Luke 12. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to open up to Luke chapter 12, if you've got your Bible app, you can open up Luke chapter 12, verse 1. And uh, Jesus uh, just shares a little story here and uses that idea of the yeast of the Pharisees. The yeast of the Pharisees. Right before this in Luke 11, Jesus is sitting at a meal table with a bunch of Pharisees. And one of them is upset with him because when he came in, he didn't do the ceremonial washings before having that meal with them. For the Pharisees, it was all about doing the right thing in the right way at the right time. That's what they were focused on, looking the right way at the right, with the right people. And Jesus wasn't playing into their, you know, their model. And so this Pharisee was upset with him. So Jesus begins to speak to these Pharisees, and he gives them six woes. You see it in, in chapter 11 of Luke there. A woe is, is really just a way of saying, I'm disappointed in this thing in your life. I wish this was different for you. We might say today, like, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when I see this. So Jesus said to these religious leaders, it breaks my heart when you, when you give money, but you don't really seek justice for those who are overlooked and poor in your communities. When you give a dollar, but you don't really lift people up out of their circumstance. Jesus says, it breaks my heart when you religious leaders look good in front of other people, but you don't actually love others. You just, it's just an outward expression. There's nothing going on inside. Woe to you religious people, because you talk about what you know, Jesus said, when you really don't know anything. You spout off like you have all this knowledge, but you really don't know God or know what he's about. And so then in chapter 12, Jesus then turns to his friends, his disciples. This is a little bit later. It says, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, they began to trample each other, so many there. But Jesus began first to speak to his disciples, and he said these words, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. What you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. Jesus says, be aware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Protect yourself from what has infected and is growing in their life. And he says very specifically, yeast is hypocrisy. The yeast I'm talking about, Jesus says, is hypocrisy. When the outside reality doesn't match what's happening in the inner life. When what I speak about, what, I, what we talk about exteriorly is not actually happening interiorly. And in some ways, we're all hypocrites. We all say things and tell other people to do things that we ourselves aren't doing consistently. We, we need this truth this morning from Jesus. We all have this ability to be hypocrites. It's never more real to me than when I'm teaching my kids how to drive. I'll be out there on the roads with my new driver. I'll be on the passenger side and they're driving and we're going down the road and I'll say, hey, yeah, notice the speed limit. You know, slow down a little bit. You're going about three over. So let's back it off a little bit. We'll come up to a stoplight and they'll start moving behind someone. I'll be, hey, just back up a little bit. You don't need to drive so close to them. And every single one of them, after a few days of this, have turned to me and said, dad, I'm just driving like you drive. Right? <laughs> just you go fast. You get close to people. You don't turn on your blinker every time. Like I'm a hypocrite when it comes to driving. Um, it's easy to share that example because I think many of us find ourselves there. But there's things in my life that I'm aware of that I, I say a lot about, but I, I'm still, God's still working on me, still helping me grow in those areas. We are hypocritical. We're all tempted to take these shortcuts that don't honor God, to say one thing with our mouths, but then live in a very different way. And Jesus says, be on your guard against that kind of living. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. We know what on guard is, right? It's like this boxing stance when you're like fists up, ready to go. 
Like, ready, get ready to fight this back because it's going to come at you. And you need to be ready to push against this temptation in your life. To be hypocritical, to be hypocrites. What is fermenting in your heart as we begin 2022? If it's hypocrisy, Jesus says, name it, see it, change it, do something different. Acknowledge the ways you're being hypocritical. Ask for forgiveness. Seek to live with integrity in your life. And this is one of those things, hypocrisy is one of those things you really need other people to help you see. Hypocrisy so often hides out in our blind spots. We just don't see it. We need someone else that knows us well to be able to call it out of us. This is why we think group life is so important here at Hillcrest. That you'd have other people alongside you that you're reading scripture with, that you're praying with, that they might know you well enough because we need people to speak truth to us. If you're single, it might be a good friend or someone in your group or uh, you know, a coworker that knows you well. If you're, you're married, it could be, could be a spouse, could be a child that can see things in you that, that are hiding out in your blind spots. Jesus said, stand against hypocrisy. Later in the New Testament, Paul would also use this idea of yeast to illustrate two different things. And one of those is found in Galatians. Um, I, I want you to stay in Luke 12 because we're going to come back to Luke 13 in a minute. But let me just read to you from Galatians 5, a time when Paul uses this illustration. He says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. A little yeast works through the whole batch. What does Paul want his friends in Galatia to avoid? He wants them to avoid religious slavery to the old covenant ways of expressing faith. He says, Jesus came to set you free from religious posturing. As he came to give you a new way of life. Verse 1 of Galatians 5 Paul says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, the specific thing that Paul was talking about in this passage was circumcision, an external act that was supposed to represent a connection with the people of God internally. And Paul was saying to Jewish Christians, you don't need to continue following these legalistic rules to have a relationship with God. Jesus has set you free from that. He's offered you a new way of life. Stop going backwards. And so the yeast here that Paul is talking about is it's a metaphor for legalism, believing that if you're good enough, you can earn God's grace and favor. That if you do the right number of things in the right way at the right times, that God's going to have to let you into heaven or have to give his grace to you. And Paul was saying it's a free gift. It's freedom that Jesus came to bring to you. Stop living in these legalistic ways that don't actually bring life. You are free, Paul says. So in these first three passages in Scripture that we've looked at, yeast is used as a, as a metaphor of things we're supposed to avoid. They've got a, a negative connotation. For the Old Testament people, it represented the sin and separation from their one true God while they were in Egypt. For Jesus and his disciples, yeast represented that hypocrisy of religious people. And for Paul and his friends, the yeast represented legalism or this idea of earning our salvation. What is, what is fermenting in you as we move into this new year? If you connect with one of those things and you see that God is saying to you, hey, I want you to step away from the sin and the rebellion that you're engaging in. These small things, it might seem small to you, but they could grow into real barriers to what I want to do in your life in 2022. Is God putting his finger on you about hypocrisy or about legalism, about trying to earn God's favor. Maybe there's times when you have that attitude, like, I've done so many good things. Why is life difficult for me now, God? I, I did everything you asked me to do. Why is it hard for me now? Didn't I earn what you should be giving me? 
And God says, I want you to live in a different way. David, one of the Old Testament kings, wrote about this idea when, when he was confronted by his sin. Psalm 139, it says, David writes, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And this is a prayer that can echo through our hearts this morning. God, would you examine my life? Would you help me to see if there's any of these small things, what I might see as small but you know that they can grow to become big barriers to what you want to do in me. Is there anything, any potential sin or hypocrisy or legalism that's percolating inside of me, that's fermenting, that you want, to, you want to find, God? I want you to find it in me, and I want you to take it out. I want you to remove it so that there's nothing growing in me that can get in the way of what you want to do in this new year. When we don't deal with the sin in our lives, when it's small, it becomes something bigger. That's why there's really no such thing as a small sin or a little white lie or a minor character flaw. Those are all small things that can become so much greater if we don't allow God to remove them from our lives. Help us see what is offensive in us. To ask him to, to take it out and remove it from us. As we move into this new year, I just want to encourage you to ask God to examine your life and help you to see those small things that might be getting in the way. There's one more example of yeast in Scripture I want to look at this morning, back in, in Luke 13. And this one is, I believe, a positive example of yeast. Jesus is, is, again, sharing with his friends about what the kingdom of God is like. And in Luke 13, verse 18, it says these words, Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Verse 20, again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. The kingdom of God is like a seed. The kingdom of God is like yeast, small things that make a big difference. And scholars argue a little bit about, was Jesus using yeast here in a positive way or a negative way? So often it's used in negative ways, but we see it used positively in Scripture as well. In the Old Testament with offerings that they would bring, they would bring bread with yeast in it. And, and, and here we see these two stories next to each other, so it helps us to have some wisdom here. Uh, the mustard seed is, is used in a positive way, something small that expands and grows and becomes a, a place, a, a home for the birds, a, a place of shelter and security for the birds. And so Right partner next to it is this story about the yeast. And so I believe it's used in a positive way here. That the kingdom of God moves in small ways and, and grows in the life of those who are submitted to the kingdom. It starts small and becomes something greater. And this story is about a lot of growth. Jesus says the woman is working with 60 pounds of flour. You ever been to Costco or Sam's Club and seen the 50-pound bags of flour? There, ever try to pick one of those, one of those up? I used to go to make Costco runs for a small restaurant in Colorado Springs when I was younger, and I would have to pick up those 50-pound bags of flour and 25-pound bags of sugar, put them on those big carts, you know, that you probably maybe only use to get big screen TVs, you know, but I would load those things up with flour and sugar, and it's hard to maneuver them through the aisles. I took out a few of those uh, sample stands, you know, as I was trying to make my way out of Costco, but those bags are heavy. This woman's working with 60 pounds of flour. She's probably going to feed over 150 people with the bread that she's making, and yet into it she puts this little bit of yeast. And again, the point is that in small ways, in these small hidden ways, the Spirit of God comes in and begins to make a difference, begins to work its way 
through the community, through the whole batch of dough, the saving of lives. It might be easy to overlook it. It might be easy to forget it in the recipe. But when it's brought in, when the Spirit of God is invited in, that yeast of God's presence begins to work its way in us. It, it makes a huge difference in what God can do. There's a former professor at North Park Seminary in Chicago. He wrote about these two passages, the mustard seed and the yeast. And, and here's what he said about this story. The focus is the hidden beginning, which will result in the completion of God's work in the kingdom. Something has happened and will have its full effect. A hidden power, hardly discernible to some, is already and irresistibly working. The kingdom in Jesus' ministry had its beginning and is at work, even if in a hidden or unanticipated way. Sometimes when we don't see the kingdom of God expanding or working, it's because in the, behind the scenes, God is at work bringing something new and fresh. You may see yourself in this way. You might see yourself as hidden or overlooked, undervalued, but God doesn't see that. You might see yourself as not offering much to what God wants to do in the world today, but God sees you as full of potential to have an impact in eternity. When you allow God to have supremacy in your life, to be sovereign over your life, and the Spirit of God comes into you. He begins to move in ways, and you may not even perceive it at first. It might be small, but, but through it, incredible life change can happen. This story that Jesus gives, uh, it gives me hope and confidence that God is at work even when we don't see it. When, even when it's unseen and small, that God is working to complete the action he has begun in our lives and the lives of others. So what is God fermenting in you? What are the small things that are beginning to grow in you to bring glory to God, to change your heart and your mind and your actions, the things you do with your time and your hands that God is going to use to draw people into relationship with him, to express his love to your family, to your workplace, to your school, to your neighborhood, to the ends of the earth. You are not inconsequential to what God is doing in our community today. God sees you and he wants to grow his kingdom through you. Last week, Nate Nate talked about this one-night workshop we're doing this week with Rick Mumford to help us embrace this truth that God wants to use us to be part of his work in the world today. So Wednesday night this week, 6.30, Rick's going to talk about, I can do that. I can be part of what God is doing in the world today. We're going to give an hour and a half to praying about and thinking about the ways that God wants to use us to make a difference in the lives of others as we move into this new year. The small things that we can do, that I can do, that you can do, it might help God be glorified, to yeastify our hearts and our lives. I want to encourage you to join us for that. You'll find it on the front page of the website. And let me say this too, Hillcrest Covenant Church. I've heard the stories of when this church was big. I've heard the stories of hundreds of people in the hallways and packed rooms and classes and groups. I've seen misty eyes remembering the good old days when the kingdom of God was visible and big in this place. And I want to encourage you this morning we may feel smaller now. We might feel like our best days are behind us. We could talk about the losses that we've gone through, but I want to encourage you that God is still at work, that he uses small things to do big things in the world today. God is still on the move. Maybe it's hidden to us. Maybe it's beyond our sight right now, but we are not close to being done. The kingdom of God is like yeast, working its way through the whole batch here at Hillcrest, and we're going to see, I believe, we're going to see a new movement of God in our midst. And we're not going to calculate that by the number of people in this room on Sunday mornings. We're going to calculate that by the transformed lives in our neighborhoods, 
and in our schools and where we work and among our family and just the new things that God is doing in us as the glory of God echoes off of our lives into our communities, into our friendships. For the glory of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we're going to see God doing new things. Can I get an amen for that this morning? Yeah. Let's get excited about that. What is fermenting in your heart as we begin 2022? Let's ask God to help us see that and experience that as we move into it. Will you pray with me? Father God, we are excited to see what you're going to do in our lives as we begin this new year. You have called us into your kingdom, and your kingdom is on the move in this world today. For 2,000 years, it has continued to expand, transform lives, give hope to hopeless people, provide shelter for those who are lost, redemption for those who are stuck in sin, bring people who are in darkness into the light, Lord, and we are so excited that we get to be part of that kingdom movement in our world today. Father, would you help us to see what you are doing? Would you remind us that you are faithful and good and that what you are going to do through us, you are the one who's going to do it. Father, you've called us to be available, to be people of prayer, to be those willing to open our mouths and live out of our lives the love that you have expressed to us. Would you help us live in new ways here as we move into this new year? And might the yeast of the kingdom might it expand in our hearts. And we have a sense that you are on the move in fresh ways. Lord, even when we feel small, would you remind us that you do big things through small things. We are so thankful for that truth this morning. It's because of Jesus, because of the forgiveness he offers us, the new way of life. We invite you to transform us, Father. Give us expectant hearts. We look forward to what you're going to do because of Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.